to Soul Inspired Leadership's latest podcast. And today I'm quite excited to introduce our guest, a fellow Australian, uh, Warwick Fairfax. Now, Warwick is the founder of Crucible Leadership, uh, which is a philosophical and practical breakthrough in turning business and personal failures into the fuel for igniting a, a life of significance. He has been hailed by Forbes as offering compelling insights for anyone who would like to wake up feeling inspired by their work, but doesn't. I'm sure there's a lot around that feel that way, Warwick. Uh, insights are rooted not only in the checklist of glib, not in the checklist of glib to-dos, but in his own experience at the epicentre of one of the most spectacular business failures in the history of his home nation, Australia. And as an Australian, I can vouch for that. It played on the public stage for a couple of years or three or four years. Fairfax was only 26 uh, when as a fifth generation heir to the media empire bearing his family name, he led and lost a multi-billion dollar public takeover bid. The result, the company founded by his great great grandfather slipped away from family control after 150 years, leaving him to examine not only his shortcomings and losses, but also his life's principles and the lessons he learned from, well, yeah, his, the lessons he learned from, from uh, his family members who came before him and some of history's greatest leaders. It's, it's been shaping, it's been shaping his insights as a leader, advisor, that Fairfax has enabled others to learn from what he describes as their own crucible experience and emerge to lead a life rooted in who they are. His journey has opened a door for men and women from all walks of life to not only bounce back from failure, but to become the leaders they were born to be. Now, Warwick studied uh, undergraduate at Oxford and he did an MBA in Harvard. He, he has his own uh, podcast show, Beyond the Principle, and he lives in Maryland with his wife, Gail, and his three children. Welcome, Warwick. Well, thanks very much, Ross. Great to be here. And the first thing I want to, uh, I'd like to ask, actually, being a podcast show that's titled Soul Inspired Leadership, how, how did you well, basically uh, find yourself at that, that moment after it all fell over? Um, I'm sure it would have been, uh, well, every, a lot of people have crucible moments that we're going to be talking about now. You, yours was not only a crucible moment, but it was a, a most public crucible moment. I just think that compounds it all a little bit. So look, tell me, what in essence helped you come out of that situation? Yeah, uh, great question, Ross. Just for some listeners that may not be familiar with the story, uh, maybe not all of them are from Sydney or from maybe our generation, perhaps. Any, anywhere but, in um, Australia, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, basically, I grew up in this 150-year-old family media business. Um, uh, at its height, it had uh, Sydney Morning Herald, uh, The Age in Melbourne, Financial Review. It had TV, radio stations, uh, newsprint mills, magazines. It was a very large company. I was the fifth generation, and... Um, yeah, there were expectations from my parents that I would go into the business and play a leading role, if not the leading role. There were other family members involved, and as often happens with family businesses, there was friction yeah. between family members going back decades before I was around. Yeah, yeah. There are always reasons. So, um, 
kind of where I came on the scene is, um, as you mentioned, did my undergrad at Oxford, like my dad and some other relatives, worked on Wall Street, did an MBA at Harvard Business School, and, you know, all really, uh, which we'll touch on later, all to prepare myself for a role that seemed to be designed for me at birth. Whether that's what <laughs> I wanted to do was an irrelevant question. It was sort of like what they say yeah. in the in, at West Point in America, duty on a country. It was sort of like, yeah, pretty much that kind of thing. In this yeah. case, country being Australia, you know. Yeah, that's right. It's Australian sort of like family. A, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sort of like a, a family business that wasn't mm. just making widgets. It was trying to contribute to Australia and, you know, um, provide a valuable service to the community and all that. Yeah. So my dad died in early 87. He was in his 80s at the time uh, and um, launched this $2 billion takeover ostensibly to bring it back to the ideals of the founder and have it be well managed. And, you know, whether that was necessary is a whole nother story. But basically, things went wrong from the start. Um, other family members sold out. October 87 stock market crash at our asset sales. Uh, by the end of 87, we had a unsustainable level of debt. Australia got in a recession at the end of 1990. Company went under. So that's kind of the backstory, of, mm. uh, you know, very short version of uh, how I end up in the early 90s with um, having, you know, lost this 150-year-old business. I tried to make it safe against takeover and I ended up directly contributing it to its demise, at least in family hands. So you asked, how did I kind of come back from that? I mean, it was tough because uh, one of the challenges was that my whole sense of self-worth and identity was wrapped up in the family business of being a Fairfax. You know, power and money wasn't so much a motivator, but I felt like I'd let my dad down, my parents, my family. I'd caught friction within the family, understandably, uh, by what I did. Um, What made it worse was the founder was a person of of deep faith, um, wonderful uh, husband, father, employees loved him, elderly's church, and being a person of faith myself, I felt like I'd let him down in some very warped, uh, poor theological way. I felt like, well, maybe God wants somebody else of faith and not to say that it would be avert or anything, but more about how people were treated. So I felt like yeah, I let, yeah. you know, the cosmos, God, or whatever down in some... I mean, <laughs> it was, was a long list. You wanted to happen or what happened. It was <laughs> That's a long list. Very poor yeah. theology, but... Yeah. Yeah, and so the, I, I wasn't clinically depressed or anything, but I was mm. pretty down. And so the challenge was, well, look what I did. I let everybody down and, you know, some higher power maybe too. And um, who was I? What am I going to do now? Uh, yeah. uh, who's going to, you know, a former media mogul? It's like yeah. unemployable kind of yeah. thing. So... Um, so basically, um, a number of factors. I mean, ironically, uh, my faith helped because from my perspective, I believe God loves us uh, unconditionally. He doesn't need our stuff. We're all, I think, created beings. And so we have intrinsic worth in of, our, in of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of an important paradigm for me. And then having a loving wife, I'm blessed. You know, we've been married over, you know, a little over 30 years. And um, that's been an amazing blessing. Some kid, my kids... Uh, and then the, little bit by little bit, I was able to do things, not, you know, professionally, not mess it up. So 
got a job at a local aviation services company in Maryland doing um, financial and business analysis. I guess I'm pretty analytical, so I could do that. Uh, got into executive coaching mm. after a mid-career assessment because they said, well, boy, you love asking questions. You're curious. Then I got on two nonprofit boards, my church board and the kids' private school board. And I found asking questions and saying what needs to be said in a constructive manner at a board was something I also enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And then from there, eventually ended up in crucible leadership. But it, it was a journey. It was not an easy road back. There wasn't, you know, three magic steps. You know, it wasn't like, you know, lose weight in a month and, you know, yeah. lose, I don't know, uh, two stone and uh, in a month and you know yeah, it wasn't yeah. anything those things tend not to work so that's right it, it, it just was, evolved it just evolved step by step finding my path back and gradually rebuilding a sense of self-worth which was kind of shattered basically so, so what actually triggered and i will say triggered it we know what triggered the situation but but what actually started to help you move forward and let go of the whole uh, scenario? Well, part of it is, um, you know, just uh, forgiving yourself. I mean, we all make mistakes. Mine were just like really public and on the front mm, pages yeah, of the newspapers. That's, that's yeah. Most of us don't have that, you know? That's, we kind that's of, what I was saying, yeah. It's just, it was very public, our, You yeah. know, if we take our dad's car at 17 and we have a little accident and okay, you know, um, you know, maybe you'll have to uh, pay, uh, pay your dad back from damages or whatever, but it's not going to be in the front page. Mm. If that was me, you better believe, yeah. you know, where I kind of crashes his it dad's It was car. in the front page. Yeah. It was definitely in the oh, front yeah. page. Yeah, fortunately I didn't do that. But um, yeah, so part of it is just um, forgiving yourself. And part yeah. of it too is I'm pretty hard on myself. I think a lot of us are. But realizing, look, I was 26 at the time. It was complicated. Some other family members, 11 years before in 1976, threw my dad out as chairman. Subconsciously, maybe there was an element of that. I wasn't thinking of it overtly. There was friction in the family going back decades. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was all sorts of things. Stock market uh, price of the company went through the roof after my dad died, so the market felt the company was in place. So I could say it was all my fault, and certainly mm-hmm. I own my you know, share of accountability and blame, but it was complicated. Even for the bit that was my fault and all, at a certain point, you know, obviously forgiving others is important, but forgiving yourself. You know, sometimes, I mean, a lot of people have made mistakes. You know, a lot of people Mm. get divorced. Maybe they, you know, working 24 hours a day and so they didn't see their kids much going up. And yeah, there are certain things you can't do over and you've got to try to make amends as best you can. But most people in life have made mistakes. And yeah, you want to try to chart a different path, but beating yourself up is not going to really help anybody. Yeah, I understand that. So when you're looking at that situation uh, of what you're describing there and where you are now, and it's, it's step one, if you, if you, if we're putting this in a list of, to do leadership, one step one might be forgiving yourself, whatever the moment was. Um, but then, how do you then move forward from forgiving yourself? How do you get out of that sort of headspace where, you know, well, I'm, I'm a failure. I forgive myself. There, from you know, uh, how did you drive yourself out of that and regain the energy and be on top of your own 
self-worth. I think ultimately you want to find a reason to get up in the morning. I mean, mm. what, you know, what is something that I can believe in? And for me, it was, it was a long process. Eventually, you know, part of it was the, 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 the birth of Crucible Leadership, which happened, I guess, in about 2008 mm. in a church we go to, non-denominational in Maryland. And the pastor was given a message and he wanted me somehow to give a sermon illustration of seven, eight minutes. And you know, I'm not really a public speaker. I'm you know, basically somewhat well, pretty reserved. Yeah. But okay, I can do that. Talk about my story, and you know, in in America, nobody's ever heard of Fairfax meat. I think in Australia is you uh, know, sort of kangaroos, koalas, opera house. Mm, that's much it, it. Yeah. Uh, Maybe uh, Australian Open come, uh, you know, January yeah. uh, in tennis, but you know, pretty ignorant. So what was amazing? Somehow my story seemed to touch people, and it wasn't like there were a lot of ex media moguls in in the congregation. <laughs> you know. It's just regular people, yeah. but people weeks and months after said, you know, Warwick, your story really helped me. That somehow by being open and vulnerable about your mistakes and maybe some yeah. lessons learned. So that really was a, a, a huge shift in my thinking. And so hence I began to write a book and, you know, crucible leadership and blog and podcast and all. So there's this thought and um, I'm not sure who said this, but basically using your pain for a purpose. Yeah, and I mean, not everybody yeah. goes to a crucible like what I have. Mm. But I mean, a lot of people have gone through a lot. And you know, on, a, on the podcast, we have Beyond the Crucible. We've heard stories, every, everything from abuse to Navy SEAL yeah, being paralyzed yeah. to losing a business. I mean, all mm. sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got a story is, somewhere. Yeah. At least the person, people we have, because you know, to be on there, you've got to have a bounce back because you yeah. want to give people hope. You don't want to make people depressed. Yeah, you know? that's it. That's it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just when you feel like, as we say, you're living a life of significance, which means a life on purpose, dedicated to serving others, and it's it's something that like is rooted in your own values and beliefs and uh, what you think is important then it's it makes it easier to move on you've forgiven yourself but you're pursuing something in life that you're passionate about that in some ways helps other people there's yeah. something about that outward focus focused on helping others it it takes away your kind of the amount of space in the brain you know to wallow mm. in your own uh, tragedy yeah. or whatever. Uh, uh. focus on helping others so you mentioned purpose, uh, and that's what's driving you now. It's this purpose to help other people uh, deal with their crucible moments. When you go back to a young Warwick Fairfax, 26 years of age, taking over the uh, media conglomerate, what's the difference in purpose there? In other words, um, how did you move from one purpose to another, or was that a was it a um, I, in talking to you before the podcast show, you're talking about it, that shift. So what was the actual shift? Because I think a lot of people get caught up in, in what they think is their purpose, but is it really their purpose? Yeah. I mean, that's interesting question. Really. I was living somebody else's purpose. Okay. I was yeah. living my dad's purpose. In fact, in some ways he was living, 
his his dad. He was really yeah. they're all living John Fairfax's place. Yeah. So my yeah. dad, you know, he was very intellectual. Uh, he would have been a good philosophy professor, whether yeah. it was Oxford yeah. University, Sydney, or whatever. Mm. He wasn't really a business guy. Mm. Um, I just yeah, he liked writing definitely, but you know, he I don't think he was living his purpose, at least from my opinion. So. I was living somebody else's vision, somebody else's purpose. So the shift is, um, you know, I'm not living somebody else's purpose, whether it's my dad's or ancestors, I'm living my own, my own purpose. And really, yeah. it doesn't like, there's nothing wrong with the purpose necessarily of being involved in a family media business, like with the City Morning Herald, for instance, where you're trying to have a newspaper uh, that tries to contribute to society to expose yeah. corruption when it needs to be to uplift, you know, an ideal world. Yeah, yeah. To uplift this. That's not a bad vision. That's not wrong. Mm, it's noble. Yeah. Yeah, but you can, right. you can be following a noble vision that's not yours. You know, that's, maybe that's your right. dad, uh, you know, was a local minister in the country of administrator. And that's great. You know, he's guessing all these parishioners and that's wonderful. But you might say, mm. well, that's great for you, dad, but I don't want to do that. I want to paint. Yeah. I want to go into yeah, business. That's, that's right. Yeah. It's not wrong. You just can't live somebody else's vision, no matter how many, how noble it is. And so that's the shift. I'm not living somebody else's purpose. I'm living my own. Yeah, and that's to me. That's coming from a, a purpose that you, f you you feel like a, an obligation to do, but that's based on all the environment around you and what you grew up in. And when you're moving to this next purpose, that's coming from within. That's the soul-inspired part. You actually find exactly. your real purpose from within. It's not from without. And, and see, that, that's an incredibly impo important point because I think from my focus or paradigm, and I think probably yours, Ross, is, you know, the, 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 the voyage of discovery of your vision starts with an inner voyage within, an examination yeah. of your own soul, yeah. which means your own beliefs and values, and that could be, religious, philosophical, spiritual in a broad sense. I mean, we're all different, but whatever that is, we all have values and beliefs. We'll pay attention to that, you know? Yeah. Don't ignore that. Uh, so there's a funny aside um, in coaching I've done over the years. One of the things that often happens with busy executives is they'll be leading a life and they will admit somehow over time, this is, I'm not really living a life that's in light or in harmony with my values and beliefs. Yeah, so as yeah. a coach, you're non-judgmental, right? So you <laughs> ask right. them with a straight face. So what would you like to do? Would you like to change what you're doing now in terms of uh, the direction of your life or business focus? Would you like to change your values and beliefs? And as a coach, I mean, it's up to them. Yeah, well, that's 99 percent right. of yeah. sane people are not going to say, no, I, I need to change my values and beliefs to bring yeah. it in harmony with my job. Yeah, that doesn't almost, be, I, I, haven't I haven't come across that, you're right. <laughs> and so then you say, yeah. okay, is that a problem? Most sane people will say, yes, it's a problem. They might not mm. do anything about it, but they will recognize it's a problem to be out of sync. And so then really this next step is, well, if you think it's a problem, which most sane people do, why not live in light of your values and beliefs? What does that mean? Well, that will take, you know, good coaching, good mentoring, some mm. examination, trying and failing at different things, but you want to make sure what you're doing is in harmony with your inner sure. soul, your inner beliefs. And that sounds obvious, but as you know very well, I'm sure most folks in the business world, they're so busy, they don't have time to think. 
they don't reflect. Uh, uh, and fact, that's probably the, the first time they reflect, maybe on their deathbed, you know, <laughs> in those last few days. And it's like, I made this money or I was CEO of such uh, and such place before I got booted out, before I retired. And, mm. Huh. I don't really know my kids. Not sure where mm. they are, actually, because... Uh, they're not here. Uh, uh, married a few times because, well, I just wasn't around either. And, huh, I, I wonder if, gee, I wonder if I'm really happy with the way things ended up. You, that's not the time to have reflect. It's a little no, late. that's right. Yeah, it's not much <laughs> you can do about it then. Yeah, so true. No. No. And look, on this note, because um, really what you're saying is being true to yourself uh, and, and, and really coming from within and leading from within, that, 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 and, and I've, I'm thinking through some of the people I've coached over the years. I know one reasonably uh, well-credentialed uh, leader who is a global head of a, a major business unit, many thousands of people, looked me in the eye and said, well, I can't do this anymore. I need to change. So that's because he couldn't align what he felt comfortable with with what he was doing. So it meant he wasn't doing it so well um, because his heart wasn't in it. It was... It was then you get other people who can say, yeah, I need to match my, or not match my values, but I need to lead from within. I can still do the job I'm doing, but just do it with a different mindset. So I can do that. Uh, the other guy, he couldn't because he just wasn't comfortable dealing with people. So when you're leading 15,000 people across the globe and he said, I don't like people. I don't like the ambiguity. Right, I'm going, well, he said, I think I'll have to change. And within a couple of weeks, he resigned. And then six months later, I got an email from him saying, thank you, because you're the first, you actually made me realise what I enjoy in life and what I don't. He's still working for the company, but in a different role. No one, just as an assistant. But see, it's exactly what you're saying. Like, you're doing things for the wrong reasons. And then you start to do it from the right reason and he's happy. He's really happy now. That's all good. Look, I'll leave it on this. It's talk about authenticity. While I'm saying yeah. I'm going to leave this, you, uh, you can have a final wrap up here now, uh, Warwick. Sure. I think we'll have a part two and we'll continue sure. the, the chat on authenticity and how, how that journey, sure. how it helps the leader. So anything particular, any aspect you want to finish up on now before we lead into the yeah, part Yeah, I just two. say, you know, be true to who you are, whether that means you stay in the job or think of it differently or move to a different role. Be true to who you are because, you know, you ignore, you know, your basic design, your basic beliefs. You won't be happy, pretty much guaranteed. Right. You won't be joyful. So why be miserable? Be yeah. joyful. And when you're miserable it affects what you're doing. So it's a struggle and, to do what you're doing. And it affects your family, co-workers, uh, employees. It affect. it ripples. You it know, ripples everything. You'll have many people that are grateful if you quit yeah, doing what makes right. them miserable. Yeah. You know, yeah, stop spreading the misery. That's right, stop spreading the misery. Well, there you, there you go. Look, thanks, Warwick, for being a guest on Soul Inspired Leadership's podcast. We will have you again. We'll have a part two uh, to follow on from this, I think, because... There's more discussion to talk about. So once again, thanks thanks for being on there and hope all our uh, all the listeners out there endured will we'll start to see where you're coming from. So I think in the next um, part two, we'll actually hear how that's put more into more practices and what, where you're heading now and how you help people. So thanks, thanks again. Okay, thank yep. you. Thank you.